0: Well, Dan, I'm inspired, but I don't know what to do.
1: Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune up or a work
0: overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, if you're inspired but don't know what to do, stick around. We're going to be talking about that. How do you figure out what to do? There's so many options today. So many things you can do. So many work models you can choose from. You can be an employee. You can be a consultant. You can be a freelancer, independent contractor, entrepreneur. We can go on and on and on. All those cool things you can choose from. Find out what fits you best and then make it happen. Well, we'll look at a whole lot of interesting questions that relate to that. People just like you and me who are struggling with questions like this. Then, how do you avoid being the starving artist? And we hear about that a lot. You know, that's one of those old cliches. We need to just wipe off the map. If you're a listener here, if you've been implementing some of the things we've been talking about, you can be an artist all day long and you don't need to starve There's plenty of ways to put legs on that. You can separate yourself from the pack real quick. Well, somebody says, Dan, I'm 38 and making good money, but I don't know what I really want to do. How about this one? Mentally, I feel burned out and have no excitement left in my tank. You know, I love the kind of phrases that you all use with questions you you submit, things that I could not possibly think up. It wouldn't be that interesting. No excitement left in my tank. All right, we're going to try to correct that as a high I the ideas never stop but the follow-through never seems to happen I feel like a high-powered rocket with a wet fuse how do I ignite another great visual picture I feel like a high-powered rocket with a wet fuse how do I ignite hey we need to watch Elon Musk Elon Musk just announced how he's gonna put people on Mars maybe he'll get on his rocket he'll light the fuse for us. Well, Dan, how do you make time to focus on and write down goals when you're trying to take care of family time and trying to make financial ends meet? Look at how it shouldn't be a choice. You want to do both. And then how do you change boats in midstream? Well, that and a whole lot more. I've got an interview with Rachel Cruz, Dave Ramsey's daughter, her new book coming out. I want to share that with you here in a little bit. Here's our quotation for today. It says, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Comes from Oscar Wilde. Yeah, that's it. You don't need to be anybody else. Be the best version of you. That's what we're looking at. Here we got some events coming up. You know what they are. Coaching with Excellence, our most popular event coming up in mid-January. About half the seat's taken already. But if you have any desire to take your area of expertise and turn that into a coaching business. That's exactly what we do. We have two fun days together. Great fellowship, food, fun. Zipline tours around here. Who knows what will happen? We had a frog funeral at one of our recent Coaching with Excellence events. My granddaughter, Clara, discovered a frog in one of our water features that somehow had died. She fished it out, made a little burial place, and um, came over and interrupted us. We had you know, 50 grown adults sitting in a room, learning principles of coaching. She said, we need to have a frog funeral. We stopped what we were doing. We followed her across the property. Some of you listening were probably here for that event. We walked across the property. She already had marked a little burial spot with a cross, had the frog laid out on a rock. Uh, We sang Amazing Grace together, and I did a little eulogy for her frog. We buried the frog, walked back across the property came in and continued our conference. Well, we do things that are pretty, uh, well, we just make it real when you're here. But anyway, Coaching with Excellence coming up in in January. And then in February, the Ultimate Advantage Cruise, our theme this next year is going to be Living Well, Doing Good. Check that out. You can see both of those and live events under 48days.com. And if you've got a question, just shoot that in. Same place, go to 48days.com. Click on Ask Dan or click on the podcast and you'll see a place there where you can submit a question in or just send it in to me directly at askdan at 48days.com. Got a gift I want to give you. This is our personality styles overview guide. It's something Ashley put together. It's a real neat graphic to see what your personality style is like. And we consider that to be a very important starting point for helping to identify what work you should be doing, what is going to fit you. So when we have a question about I'm 38 making good money, but don't really know what I want to do, start with understanding your personality style. 85% 85% of the process of having the confidence of proper direction in your career comes from looking inward. The more you know yourself, the more confidence you can have about finding or creating work that is a fit for you where you're going to be able to knock it out of the park. So that resource just go to 48 days.com you real simple free styles, overview guide, you'll be able to see your personality there and be able to have that piece in place. So you have that, you knowing yourself, knowing your personality, big part, then understanding what is your passion? What is your talent? How are you going to create an economic model? How are you going to create money with that? Boom. That's part of the formula. Just go to 48 days.com slash you. Well, here, here's, here's a success story. It, it's interesting in this one. And I'll tell you how I responded. This came from Jessica, who said, Dan, you don't know me, but I've been a fan of your work for many years. I'm just dropping a quick note to tell you that I saw you at the tribe conference here in Nashville this past weekend. Now, that was Jeff Goins' tribe conference at the factory in Franklin. I was a participant. I paid full price for a ticket, sat in a room with everybody else, and listened to the great speakers. So anyway, she says... Jessica says, I saw you at the Tribe Conference here in Nashville this past weekend, and I wanted to stop and introduce myself, but I was afraid that I'd get too emotional. For many years, I was stuck in a job that I felt powerless to leave and was simply too overwhelmed to figure out how to make a change. But every week I would get your newsletter, listen to your podcast, and they would give me hope that someday I'd be able to make something happen. I look forward to that newsletter so much. Fast forward to today, I've been doing work that I love for over two years now. Seeing you at the Tribe Conference reminded me of how much I appreciate your work, your books, your podcast, how much it has helped me make the changes I've made. I may not even have been at a writer's conference if it weren't for you. Just wanted to know, let you know I appreciate you. Thank you, Dan. No need to respond. Sincerely, Jessica. Well, I did respond immediately. I said, oh my, thanks so much for your note. I do wish you had come up and given me a big sloppy emotional hug. I'm totally fine with that. I never get tired of hearing how something I said or wrote encouraged someone like you to move forward with your own dreams. Delighted to hear you are doing the work you love. Stay inspired. Well, what a great note. I appreciate that. Last Sunday night, Joanne, my wife, and my granddaughter, Clara, were at a writer's event in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It was uh, put on by Ingram, the big book distributing company, and they had invited... A couple. Well, they invited multiple authors, and they invited a couple authors from multiple publishers. So Morgan James invited Joanne and Clara to come and promote both Joanne's new book, Creating a Haven of Peace, and the book they've done together, What If It Were Possible? So we had it set up at a little table, and there were probably 40 or 50 authors there who were promoting new books that are just coming out. And the audience were bookstore, Christian bookstore owners. So big audience getting ready for the Christian Product Expo. And uh, so we were there set up. Well, I walked around, you know, talking to other authors. You know, I didn't have any responsibilities. Clara and Joanne were doing their thing, talking to people, signing books. And I walked around, ran into Debbie Wilson. Now, Debbie Wilson came to Coaching with Excellence several years ago now. I'm not sure how long ago it was, but she was a counselor and really kind of struggling with that. And we talked and I said, wow, you know, you don't get enough enjoyment out of that. Your personality doesn't fit that well with being a counselor, just an empathetic listener. You need to move into the things that really give you joy. Well, she has. And she was there with her brand new book, Little Women, Big God, published by Leafwood Publishers. Really nicely done. Debbie digs right into some of the challenging women in the Bible talks about how they overcame some amazingly challenging circumstances. She doesn't shy away from any of them, including like Tamar right out of the gate, but just a delightful book and what a joy to see her there and reconnect with somebody that was here and did in fact walk right into what gives her the most joy. So it was a delight to see that. Well, we got a whole lot of questions here that I want to get to want to get to the interview with uh, Rachel coming up. But I want to just, Shoot this out here. If you got a success story, we'd love to hear about it here. I never get tired of hearing those, even if they sound the same. It's your life. It's you that made the difference. You know, the material that I provide, the newsletter, the podcast, the blogs, whatever it is, you know, 48news.net. Th- those are just tools. You're the hero when you take action on those things. You do the things to make a difference in your life. Put your life on a new trajectory to give you new levels of success. Hey, we want to congratulate you. Just send that in, at 48 dayscom Now, Jen McDonough always is my ears and eyes in the 48days.net community. She's scheduling these every Thursday through the end of the year. So this is, well, this is almost October. So by the time you're listening to this, it will be October probably. Um, But we are doing these every Thursday night where she's scheduling one of our 48 days coaches to come in and just be an expert and have open questions from anybody in the audience. So these are really rock. And I love how they're going this next week. It's going to be Aaron Robinson or Aaron Robeson coming up as the expert coaching on know your why those are Thursday nights from seven to seven thirty. You know, so they're kind of open-ended, but they're short sweet seven to seven thirty. If you're in 48 days.net, just uh, log on to those, be participating in those so you can shoot your questions in there as well. I had asked you, the listeners, to submit potential names for our new Work You Love community that's coming. I said I wasn't really fond about the word community. It sounds kind of soft and common. So I ask you for it. Well, you you came through as usual. Those are still coming in, but I compiled 22 pages single spaced with suggestions that you all had. I've narrowed that down to eight and I've submitted those to my mastermind now to get their input and should be getting a final selection. Dr. to Brian Dixon who works with us on launching this new membership community that we're getting ready to launch, but uh, ran it by him this morning. So we're gonna narrow down and determine the name and get a basic website up, get the structure that it's coming together really nicely. I'm gonna be excited about announcing that to you. Gonna be a place where we have a little higher access to each other and some more super-duper kind of things in there that we're gonna be able to, to offer you, no matter what, it, what kind of work it is that you're looking for. You know, we aren't calling this the Entrepreneurs Community, this is Work You Love Community. So if you're working a job and making 30,000 and you'd really like to make 40,000, this is exactly the place you're going to want to be because we're going to be teaching you how to do that, how to ask for bonuses and promotions, how to negotiate your initial salary that could make t- that $10,000 difference in your salary right from day one. If you know how to negotiate when you're doing the job search. So we're going to have a lot of different work models that we're going to address in there. And, uh, be looking forward to that the work you love something maybe tribe nation collective community but uh, it'll be something out there so stay tuned and hopefully we'll have selected a winning name by next week i want to play this interview that i did with rachel now rachel is dave's dave and sharon ramsey's daughter middle daughter second of three children and um, we knew her her and her mom and dad before she was born. So I've known her in her entire life, but what a delight to have her grow up and now be making her own valuable contributions to the world. She's got a brand new book out, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, Seven Money Habits for Living the Life You Want. It's coming out, will be released on October 4th, and we're certainly promoting that. Love Your Life, Not Theirs. It has to do with comparing yourself with other people. How destructive that is. You know, This Keeping Up with the Joneses, Really is a destructive kind of tendency you want to decide, uh, decide what is your life you know we had in our quotation for today you know that the idea be yourself everybody else is already taken you want to be yourself so this is my interview with Rachel on her new book well Rachel Ramsey Cruz, what a delight to have you on with me today.
1: well thank you, Dan. thanks for having me on. I appreciate it
0: well this is this is uh challenging, but it's so entertaining to think about having you on with me talking about your book. I mean, I remember the day you were born and here you are being a world changer, writing books. So congratulations <laughs> on that. Uh, well, thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's fun to to have family friends that I get to talk about the book with. Normally it's, you know, strangers in another city who are wonderful. I just don't know them. So it's fun to, it's fun to be here with you today.
0: Well, as my listeners know well, you are the daughter of our dear friends, Dave, And Sharon Ramsey. So you're grown up and have a voice of your own and have done this book on your own, love your life, not theirs. Thank you for the copy of it. I was it was a delight to read. And I'm having you on not just to patronize a friend of mine, but because it's a wonderful book.
1: Thank you. Well, thank you so much. It's a a message that I have been speaking about now for for a year or two, but one that's been on my heart for a while. So it's fun to be able to get it down in a manuscript and, and ship it all over the country for people
0: to read. Absolutely. Well, Love Your Life, Not Theirs is the title of the book. Now, we don't normally think about the way we handle our money as habits. I mean, people understand biting your nails or smoking or brushing your teeth is a habit. But then when it comes to money, we, don't we just do what we have to do in each situation? I mean, talk to us about a couple ways we quickly get into habits when it comes to money.
1: Sure well it's really just the day-to-day decisions we make I mean day in and day out that's why I went with this book with 7 money habits for living the life you want because I want people to get to a place where uh, their habits Change for the good because we all have money habits, whether they're good or bad. Uh, but changing them into healthy money habits so that it really becomes, you know, your your knee jerk reaction is something like steering clear of debt or quitting the comparisons. And so, putting healthy habits in place really builds you a great foundation on a on a day to day basis. When you're sitting there, you know, whether you're checking out at Target and you deny the credit card, or you, uh, you know, are buying a car, whatever it is, just having those good money habits where that's where that's your go to response.
0: Well, I agree totally with what you're saying and can look back in my own life at how quickly those patterns do become habits. Now, one of the habits that we all seem to think that we have to have is to have a car payment. Now, being a car guy, you know I'm a car guy. And you yes. dad and I have talked a lot about cars over the years, but I drive through the parking lot at Ramsey Solutions. And guy, I see awesome Jaguars and Mercedes where it's obvious somebody's worked the system and now they're in a position to drive what they want. Then I see those old amazing junkers with rust and dents. And I know people also understand the process, but are just a little earlier in the game. Address that. Isn't it just a necessity of being an American to have a car payment?
1: <laughs> well, so, so many think. Um, yeah, it's become so normal. I mean, this whole topic of debt has become so normal in our society that that's our go-to response when we want something and even something, you know, a large purchase like a car. And so really breaking this cycle, one of the cycle, the, one of the habits is steer clear of debt. And what does that look like? And in the book, I walk through almost every scenario in life when it comes to us using debt. And cars is one of them. People just assume, you know, I'm always going to have a car payment. And breaking that down, I mean, mathematically, if you look at the math behind it. You know, the studies just came out that show that the average new car, the payment, is close to six hundred dollars. It's like nine hundred and eighty three or I'm sorry, five hundred and eighty three dollars. And you just put that in a good growth stock mutual fund, you know, from age age twenty to age sixty, and it's close to five point five million dollars. And so the math side of it is just ridiculous. I mean it's just thinking you're paying interest on something that's going down in value. But then you take the emotional side of money and the emotional side of debt that you owe someone something at the end of every month. And if there's a young couple out there with two car payments, you know, that, that could be close to 1000 to $1,200 a month that's going out in payments. And that's money that's not being given into the community or that's money that's not being invested for their kid's future. It's going to a car payment. And so we have to look at the grand scope of everything from the math side, yes, but also the emotional toll That it takes on our, I think, our mental and spiritual state.
0: Wow. Those numbers are pretty frightening. My gosh. That is really scary when you put it in those hard number facts like that. Hey, I'm one of those weird old guys. I I like cars. I've always driven. Fancy cars, driven anything I wanted, and I've never had a car payment in my life. Mm. So I'm one of those that... uh, hurts the statistics out there.
1: That's right. You can prove to do it. I know. So for people out there, it's hard because, you know, if you want the car, you know, if you want a certain car, but you don't have the money for it, yeah, it's going to take patience. It may take even years to save up and pay for that. But just working, you know, the old common sense principle of driving a car you can pay for, saving up on the side, selling that one, putting the money together and stepping up in car. And that, again, may take a few years, but gosh, uh, the money you save and again, the emotional state that you save yourself uh, is pretty phenomenal.
0: Well, let me kind of segue on that a little bit, because this, here's a scenario I hear a lot of times, Rachel, and that is, you know, a young couple, gee, they're really trying to get ahead, but uh, got to go to work. I mean, you got to get to that job, and we don't have bus systems around here, so obviously they got to get a new car. So they <laughs> went to several dealerships, you know, got rejected because their credit's kind of edgy, but finally found a car dealer who sold them a brand new Nissan, and then they post pictures on Facebook. Well, pictures of joy because god has blessed them with a new car is that, is that <laughs> right. god's blessing or is that something else
1: oh my gosh yeah there's a there's a lot we could go with that question i mean it's it really is crazy just the the sheer fact of, of social media being such a present part of everything we do it seems like um that that's what we see on the outside is is the awesome new car and the smiling faces uh we don't see the car payment that's attached to that and so in the book i i have a chapter called blessed versus hashtag blessed uh because yeah probably in that picture in the caption was hashtag blessed uh and so that's what we have to just really focus in on that yes um someone may have worked very hard and saved up and paid for that car or they did again with the statistics show the the average american does is taking out a car payment on that car so just realizing uh, the reality behind the picture is important. Keeping that perspective is key because if you think everyone has the kind of life they post on social media, uh, you're probably going to live a very discontent life thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I have to spend all this money to keep up a lifestyle that everyone's living and I'm missing out on when in reality, no, not everyone is living that lifestyle that you see on social media daily. There's um, there's bills and there's I'm sh- possibly marriage fights in the background, but we don't see that part of their lives.
0: Oh my So true. Well, I'm going to throw you a softball here. I know this is a hot topic with you. I know one of your areas of specialty is avoiding student loans. Now, isn't getting a degree always a good thing for moving up financially? I mean, isn't the risk of getting a student loan offset by the increased income that's going to be guaranteed as a result of having that degree?
1: (laughs) So many would think, right? Yeah. Yeah. The college students I talk to, I mean, it's, it's, It is kind of crazy the warped reality they live in where they think, well, if I get a degree automatically, I'm going to get, you know, a job and it's going to pay $80,000 a year and I'm going to pay off these student loans in two years. And, you know, and suddenly life happens and you realize, no, no, that you don't get paid $80,000 for your first job normally. You have to work your way up. And so, yeah, it's definitely that's a, a myth that is around. Now, I'm all for College educated, you know, or go, you know, getting college educated and that kind of thing. I mean, I went to a four year university. I think there's nothing wrong with it, but the way we go about that is what's important. It can even it could either damage you or your child because they're starting off financially in the hole uh, when they graduate. With the average college student graduating with thirty two thousand dollars in debt, or you can make smart choices by paying your way through staying in an in-state school or going to a community college and graduating on, on solid financial grounds. which that is my hope and my prayer for everyone.
0: No kidding. Well said. Well, we, we've got a 48 Days Cruise coming up in February of 2017. Now, we're going to have lots of young couples that join us. They always do for those. So it's probably safe to say the total cost is going to be maybe $5,000 when you consider you know booking a nice room travel expenses to get to Fort Lauderdale and incidentals. How should a young couple plan for that expense? And how, and more importantly, how do you decide when that's a reasonable part of your financial plan to take a really nice vacation as opposed to just saving or investing that money?
1: Sure. Well, I would say once you're out of debt, everything but your house, and you have an emergency fund in place from three to six months of expenses, at that point, I kind of could say that you could lift your foot off the accelerator a bit and start enjoying other things in life besides just paying off debt and saving uh yeah you want to be funding for retirement for sure but i would say look at your budget i mean and it's in february so in a couple of months so just back out the math of how much you need to save each month in order to go on this cruise and and for couples you know maybe that means you have to cut other categories in your budget maybe you sacrifice shopping that you know for a month and putting that money towards funding the cruise but that that's the whole one of parts of my book is i want people to know that to live to live well financially and to be wise financially doesn't mean that you have to live in a cave and do nothing with your life Like you can still go out and enjoy life and you can do the things you value And so that's what part of what doing a budget is is you get to have a plan and say, hey, this is what we value. The cruise in February is something we want to do, so how do we make that work to cash flow it? So that would be my advice. So no debts. Do not go in debt to go on a cruise. Don't let the credit card bill follow you home. Uh, make sure you pay cash, and so just plan ahead. And, and, again, you have a few months now because, you know, February is in a couple months now, so so you have the time, so just plan accordingly.
0: Well, we have a lot of people in our audience who are big fans of your dad's message and have been for years or in a good place they're positioned and ready to do that. So we're delighted to see them join us on things like a cruise. Rachel, I got one last question for you. In chapter 14, uh, that chapter's titled A Lifestyle of Giving. I mean, other than just following a strict biblical principle of tithing, how is it financially responsible to give generously?
1: well giving changes who you are as you're giving you're becoming selfless instead of selfish and whether you're a believer or not whether you know you you study scripture or you don't no matter who you are that's going to be true because as you give you become selfless and I believe selfless people have a better quality of life I mean they're more enjoyable to be around those people that give and that serve you know who they are you'd rather hang out with those people than the selfish people so you know I, not to be a have a prosperity message by any means, but I do think when you give and that becomes a part of your character and who you are, I think you have better relationships. I think those are people that get promoted at work because people like them. I mean, there's, there's so many benefits to giving in general. And so, yes, you're helping the people you're giving to 100%, but you're also helping yourself because you're changing who you are. And the character part of you is becoming selfless. Uh, and that's something that's missing in our culture today.
0: Wow. Golly. You've grown up, girl. The, <laughs> the maturity of that answer astounds me. I love that.
1: Oh well, give, thank give you. Them. Well, give, I, I've been thankful to to have this knowledge for a while now. Growing up as as you know Dave Ramsey's kid, but they really made us practice giving, and and absolutely. it wasn't always fun. But gosh, as an adult now, I'm so I'm so thankful because it really is the most fun you can have with money uh, is to be able to give and to serve.
0: Well, I've seen the reality of how you and your siblings have lived this out. You guys. We're taught, but you've lived it out well. And I commend you, compliment you on having a book of your own, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. A lot of it is about comparing yourself to other people. Love Your Life, Not Theirs. Do the things that are responsible. So congratulations on the book. And thanks for encouraging the 48 Days audience, Rachel.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me on. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Well, there you go. Just a delight to talk to Rachel. Hey, this would be a good place to drop in on a shout out from her daddy here. Hey, this is Dave Ramsey,
1: and you're listening to my longtime friend and career coach, Dan Miller, on I Love My Work. Now, back to Dan.
0: (laughs) I hadn't played that in a while. Got a lot of those clips here from people, but certainly uh, Dave's one we could include there right after his daughter. Dave and I have been friends for almost 30 years now, way back when we were trying to figure out what we were going to do when we grew up. So we made some plans, and I've kind of walked those out pretty carefully over the years. And it's a delight to have the next generation coming along. I mean, you know my son, Kevin, um, hosts the Zig Ziglar podcast now. My daughter, Ashley, is really more the face of 48 Days here than I am, I guess. You know, she schedules all of our events, takes care of all the things like that around here. So it's it's really fun to be able to... Pour good principles into your own children and see them grow up to be responsible adults. Well, let me go to some questions here. Andrew says, Dan, I read your 48 days book, feel very inspired by it. My problem is, I don't know what I really want to do. I'm 38, make good money, but I have a two hour commute each day and want to be closer to my family. The hobbies I enjoy don't seem like they would ever allow me to replicate my current income. I feel trapped and a little discouraged. I would love to know a clear path forward. And hope that you can offer some words of encouragement. I'm not afraid of hard work. I just want something with a flexible schedule that I can be proud to manage it just to be part of. Thanks for all you do. And that's from uh, Flintstone, Georgia. All right, Andrew. Now, the first thing I would do is give yourself a broad spectrum of opportunities. You say that you make good money, but you have a two-hour commute each day the first thing I would do is recognize certainly you can find a position that doesn't require a two-hour commute. If you draw a circle from your house and draw a circle that would require 20 minutes one way, I don't know where you live, but if you live anywhere in Georgia, you're probably going to include hundreds of businesses even in that circle that you draw like that. So recognize that it's not just an A or B choice. It's not just simply either keep this job with a two hour commute or try to do something on your own and duplicate that money. No, one of the options would be to find a job where you don't have that long commute. I mean, that is a hardship with a family, no question about it. But don't think that it's impossible to find another job where you could duplicate or increase the income that you have now. On the same hand, doing something on your own, coming up with an idea on your own, now, I don't know. You don't say how much money that you make. Well, let's say you make $150,000. So that's certainly a, a good salary, not something to just take easily in terms of thinking it's a walk in a park to replace it. Are there people who have done things on their own who have made that kind of money? Well, certainly there's thousands and thousands of people who have done things on their own. I mean, there are people who have come up with a little course and selling the course. You know, made five hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I can give you names if you'd like, people like that. And I have a friend who just launched a course a couple weeks ago. Now he has some great relationships with people. So he has affiliates who also promoted it. But in launching the course, first time out, never been done before, brand new course, you know, generated three point two million dollars. So there are certainly things that you can do. There are people who have online businesses. I mean, I've got a neighbor who you know, has an online business, sells cameras online, and makes a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. So just give yourself the flexibility of believing that there are options to start with, and then start to list what those would do. I mean, identify what would be a fit for you. You say you really don't know what you want to do, follow your curiosity. You know, when I have people that say, I really don't know what my passion is, and you say to engage your passion, your talent and money. I don't know what my passion is. Just follow your curiosity. It doesn't have to be a full grown passion because passion really is more developed than it is discovered anyway. So you may not know what it is right now. Follow your curiosity. What are the things that get your attention? You find yourself being interested in develop some ideas around that and see if those could grow into something that provides both economically and as a developing passion. Carolyn says, I have several ideas. Don't know how to pick which road to follow. How can I decide which is right for me? Well, and you don't look at the ideas. You can make a list of 20 ideas, but the filter should be what you know about yourself. So identify as clearly as you can, your skills and abilities, your personality tendencies. You know, are you outgoing? Are you people focused? Are you more introverted, shy, like ideas and details? I mean, whatever it is, but the three areas are your skills and abilities, your personality tendencies, your values, dreams, and passions. Those are the filter by which you can then go through a lot of ideas and see what really fits you. If you're introverted, you're really good with financial information. You're good with detail. And we have on a list, a short list for you, get in a Subway franchise. We know they're very profitable. Um, One of the big Money makers in our country right now, very hot you know one of the fastest growing franchises. well, I already told you enough about you as a person to know that doesn't fit. If you're introverted, very good with detail, financial kind of things, you're going to go nuts with a business that has you know 600 people walking in the front door every day. you got to deal with entry level employees, you don't show up on time, nah, not a good fit. So knowing yourself helps you create a filter by which to screen those ideas. Well, Miranda's the one that would ask, how do you avoid being the starving artist? You do things that other artists aren't doing. I mean, it's like being an author. I know that 95% of authors never make more than $40,000 a year. Well, if I were looking at just that fact in itself, I would be pretty discouraged about being an author, and I certainly wouldn't have put myself in that space. But my response is immediately, wow, how difficult can it be to put myself into the 5% of authors who go way beyond that? And that's certainly what I've done. And you can do the same as an artist. Do things that other artists aren't doing. Don't just draw stuff, put it up on Pinterest or Etsy and hope that people track you down, to give you money. Go out and see where you can display. Find five restaurants that will display your work. Set up, I mean, even a local bookstore. Just do an evening where you talk about how you created the art that you have. Talk to local galleries where you can have it there. I mean, get active in a community where you become known for the kind of work that you do. If you have a particular theme to your work, then make sure you connect. If it's with pets, make sure that you're at events where pet owners are, where you set up a display. And I knew an artist one time who had, people kept commenting on her art, how peaceful they felt when they looked at it. And she thought, now, where is an environment where people would like to feel peaceful? She started going to dental conventions she set up as an artist now guess how many other artists were there none she was the only one she was extraordinarily successful by selling her art to dentists because she followed that comment that her art made people feel peaceful chris says all my adult life has revolved around meeting my family's needs my husband and two children now the kids are in college uh, but still living at home. I feel my mission is coming to a close and I have no vision for my future or goals for my life now. This makes me feel purposeless and alone. I'm a CPA and I've been working part-time for a firm, which is fine. Uh, my husband and I have a great relationship, but I feel we don't have much to talk about except our kids. As a Christian, I want to follow God's plan for me. I just don't know how to go about discovering that plan, setting goals, not just for a career, but in all areas of my life. Any suggestions? Yes. My goodness. I've Please, uh, I'll send you a copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love, the new version, because I walk right through this process of self exploration. And what you describe is so, so common, Chris, where your role is changing. Kids are grown. Wow. All of a sudden, it's like, who am I when it's not required that you're just a wife and homemaker? Who are you? My own wife, Joanne, went through that. It was a real, a profound season for her to look at who she was. That's where she discovered art and writing and started developing those. And it's really helped her blossom with talents that had been hidden for a lot of, t- a lot of years. So it's a great time to, to look inward, be self-introspective, and to discover those things that may give you a new lease on life other than just in a job that provides an income. Jesse says, I currently work for a small business as an accountant. There's no opportunity for growth and I hate it. I know, don't know that I'm ready to give up on accounting. I have that degree, but I also have other interests such as financial services, car sales, and real estate. I work eight to five and four nights delivering pizzas. I also do contract work with a financial company, but it isn't steady. I could try to ramp up business, but, and this is my question, how do I ramp up business? And should this be my primary focus? or should I focus my efforts elsewhere? Basically, I can look for a traditional job, which I'm not against, or try being more entrepreneurial in a field I don't have a lot of experience with, but really like a lot so far. Well, you've given yourself great options, Jesse, and I, I commend you on that. I think those ought to all be on the table at this point. But given 30 days of really exploring, again, what you know about yourself, you ought to be able to narrow down and decide, is that going to be to get a better job, a regular job, Or is there something, you you know, when you say you're not real thrilled about accounting, um, that would be hard for me to get excited about personally. I mean, certainly we need people who do that well. But if you're not excited about it, it's going to be hard to really push yourself to get a great job doing that. So I would encourage you to explore those things on the entrepreneurial side. But before you burn any bridges, see, can you duplicate or increase the income that you have now? Can you create an economic model that makes it really attractive? Don't just jump into being an entrepreneur because you don't like a job without having a clear plan for what that would look like as an entrepreneur. Jeff says, and boy, this is one, I mean, we see this come up again and again and again. My question is, how can I make sure that I'm going for what God wants, not just what I want? Now, I would encourage you to explore 30 ideas and ask yourself which ones fit you. You know, make sure it matches what you know about yourself. You know, God wants what makes you happy. Now, there's some of you that are theologically are going to disagree with that, but I'll stick a stake in the ground with that. God wants what makes you happy. There's plenty of scriptures that confirms that, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. What I want you to do, Jeff, is go back and listen to a podcast of mine that I did about six weeks ago titled, I Think God Wants Me to Be Be Miserable. I ran into, at the tribe conference this last weekend, I ran into several people who told me that that was probably the most profound message they've ever heard in their lives, in terms of helping them transition out of the idea that somehow doing God's will is gonna make them miserable. I addressed that. I hope I did, did it in a respectful uh, way that is enlightening and still um, remains, has integrity with the scriptures, but I think God wants me to be miserable. Go back and check that out. I think it'll help you move through that sense of questioning whether what you want is what God would allow you to do. Toby says, how do I figure out what job is best for me after being in the workforce for 20 plus years? Mentally I feel burned out and have no excitement left in my tank. Well, 20 years can, can make you become numb, it's that old frog in the kettle kind of thing that I talk about frequently where the changes have been slow, slow and, slow and subtle. You didn't really respond against them and now you've lost sense of who you really are. So it's a good time to take, uh, draw that line in the sand. Take a fresh look at your skills and abilities, your personality traits, your values, dreams and passions. But certainly there's a lot of evidence there. The value of having 20 years of work experience is that you've got a track record to look back on. There's a lot of value in having life experience where you can look back and see what are those recurring themes, the trends, when you really did come alive, when you really were in the zone, pay attention to those. You'll get a clear sense of what you ought to focus on for the next 20 years. Bill says, as a high I, the ideas never stop. The follow through though never seems to happen. I feel like a high powered rocket with a wet fuse. How do I ignite? Well, Again, what I encourage you to do is make a list of 30 to 40 of those ideas. Welcome all those ideas. Then give yourself the 48 days to filter through those, knowing what you know about yourself. In that period of time, narrow down to the best three or four. Do a little bit more research. Then choose the best one and act. Then don't look back or second guess yourself for one year. Are there other things that you can do? Absolutely. Doesn't mean that you can never come back to an idea that you... Uh, had on that list but didn't act on no you can come back to those again I mean, things change just commit yourself to a two to three year plan but choose one and then really devote yourself to doing that Dave says writing goals doesn't seem to be a problem for me what is a problem is remembering to constantly review them working out a plan to achieve them and getting back on track when life inevitably gets in the way what's the best way to consistently work toward achieving my goals and getting into the swing when I periodically get derailed? Well, I don't have a boss, Dave, looking over my shoulder. So I have to create that structure for myself. I use, you know, I use Google Calendar for my scheduling. It's real simple. So I have, I have things playing out weeks and months in advance. I mean, I can look a year ahead and tell you what that Tuesday is going to look like because I'm already committed to doing certain things on each day of the week. So I don't just wake up and say, well, gee, what do I want to work on today? You know, what's the squeaky wheel? No, I decide a year in advance. I actually decide three years in advance, but then a year in advance and then months in advance So that I am working on major projects. I mean, I know clearly what I'm going to be working on the last quarter of this year. I have three major things that I'm working on and I have big blocks of time blocked out to work on those. So in the months of October, November, December, I know exactly what I'm going to be working on because I've already decided in advance. And you just do that. That's, that's way you do. it. So you don't just give yourself the option of waking up in the morning and deciding, well, gee, what am I going to do today? Let's see here. Let me grab a couple more here. Tracy says my husband and I make just over a hundred thousand dollars a year. We'd like to work our own business together that replaces that income, but we're having trouble finding something that we'll love and will give us the income we appreciate. What suggestions do you have for us? Well, Tracy, I caution you against just looking at the money side. It has to be something that draws from what you already enjoy and understand. So don't just try to find an idea to make $100,000 a year. Identify first what you and your husband would really enjoy doing. Then do it with such excellence that the money is going to show up in unexpected ways. That's why you can be an artist or you can grow dandelions or you can wash windows or mow yards. You know, you can start with anything that you enjoy doing. And if you really do it in a creative way, you'll have extraordinary success. You can duplicate that $100,000, even if other people in the same industry are doing, not doing half of that. Let me drop down here. Well, let me, just, let me just grab one here. Kevin says, how do you change boats in midstream? Well, <laughs> we're all midstream, Kevin. We're all midstream. We, we, we need to see the potential of changing boats, no matter where we are. I I hear from people every day, you know, who went in this morning and, gee, the HR person, the human resource person uh, called a meeting and called him into a room and said, well, okay, you 34 don't have jobs anymore. Please clean your desk out and leave the property immediately. I mean, it happens all the time. We better be prepared for changing boats in midstream. Here's how you are prepared to do that, though. It's to know clearly what are your most marketable skills. What is it that you do with just extreme excellence? That's where you stay in the driver's seat. So don't get caught flat-footed by thinking, well, I've got a job, they're going to give me a paycheck on Friday, so I don't need to think about it. No, you ought to be clear every morning. In fact, you are interviewing for your job every day that you have it. Every day the company is looking at you saying, are you providing the value that justifies the pay that they're giving you now? They're asking themselves that. And if you aren't able to answer that clearly and provide clearly a statement of what that value is, you are in jeopardy. You are vulnerable. So how do you change boats in midstream? You are so clear in knowing what your marketable skills are So that even if you have one customer, meaning you currently have a job, that means you have one customer. If you lost that customer, you could hold your head high, shoulders back and go out into the marketplace instantly, knowing what other companies are waiting to have somebody that brings a value to the table that you have and get another position. That's just how it works. I mean, that's exactly the process and that's how you can stay in shape stay ready to change boats in midstream we're all in midstream i love that kind of analogy i love that kind of visual picture hey we're just heading down the river in a boat and by golly that boat may get a hole in it and we are need we may need to swim to another boat we could create all kinds of visual pictures with that It may not be a matter of just stepping from one boat onto the other. There may be some waves in between that we have to get through. But if you know clearly what your value is and you know clearly what the destination is and whether that's another company or starting your own business or anything in between, Hey, you can make it happen. Be clear, be clear on what it is that you want. Be clear on what it is you know about yourself and the opportunities are all around us. Well, Hey, thanks for the questions. Keep sending those in. Just shoot them in to at 48 dayscom Next week, we'll try to have a winner announced for the Work You Love community and more details on that as we get ready to open the doors on that. So uh, thanks for being part of this group of people who are not normal, who are not ordinary, who are not just boring and the same. We are, in fact, a group of people who are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful and profitable are in your hands, and the world-